Welcome to Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. Except for today, because Leslie's going to talk to us about Universal Studios and why Disney fans might want to check it out. Find old episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. We're also on YouTube now, so if you could find us there, at Disney Deciphered, we'd really appreciate it if you could like and subscribe. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where we receive bonus content, or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Email josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Decipher. So Leslie is fresh back from a week in Florida, right? Leslie, six nights? Six nights, almost a week. Yes. So uh, according to her, her longest trip away for quite some time. So Leslie, you had a lot of fun. If you're not following Leslie on Trips with Tykes on Instagram, uh, you missed out on a lot of fun stories and things like that. Now, Leslie was at Disney World for a lot of that, and we plan to talk about that eventually. But today, we are doing the dreaded. It has been 257 episodes, and finally, we are going to break the barrier. We are going to talk about Universal today, Leslie. Curse you for bringing us into this situation, Leslie. I blame you. I, happening. I knew it was inevitable, Joe. We are cheating on Disney. And I mean, you and I, I, at least I go to other theme parks all the time and don't really talk about it that much. I enjoy theme parks other than just Disney. And I have not been to Universal since 2016. So this was definitely long overdue. And, you know, I think folks who do go to Orlando for longer vacations often want to know, is it worth their time? to hop over to Universal for a day or two, or even as the focus of a vacation. So I was glad to have this perspective and was very pleasantly surprised. Spoiler alert. Yeah, and uh, the other thing is it's pretty good timing because all the, I guess in Hollywood, they have been doing soft opens for Super Mario Land uh, previews at Universal Studios Hollywood. So Universal is kind of on the mind. So we're just we're just capturing the zeitgeist. Okay, don't blame us, everyone, for talking about Universal. You know, these are the things that we have to do sometimes. Now, I have not been to Universal since I was a kid. And honestly, I've spent way more time at Universal Studios Hollywood than I have Universal Studios Orlando. And in fact, uh, my favorite thing to do was to ride the Jurassic Park ride and then go to the backdraft attraction after to dry off. Leslie, I found out that they bulldoze the backdraft attra- the backdraft attraction for Super Mario Land. So I'm pretty bummed about that. But Universal is pretty exciting right now. So Leslie, what you're gonna what, what we're gonna do today is you're gonna tell me how many reasons you got here. We got eight reasons uh, that Joe Chung should check out Universal Studios Orlando. Before we get to that, really quickly, we want to thank someone who left us a one-time donation on PayPal, Megan H. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. If you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, you can 
give us a one-time donation on PayPal, or you can also support us regularly at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you receive bonus content. I will be going to Disney World this weekend for the Travelmation Retreat, and so I'll be doing a couple of live trip reports there. Um, but yes, thank you again, Megan H., for your support and everyone who has supported us. All right, Leslie, let's get to it. Let's start. Uh, what's the first reason you got that I got to go check out Universal Studios Orlando? All right. Reason number one is all about logistics, Joe. The logistics are a lot easier at Universal Orlando than they are at Disney World, Disney parks generally. There are no theme park reservations required. There are no limitations on park hopping. This is a vacation that you can really do much more on a whim. And as someone who is less experienced, which I think the learning curve, we complain about it all the time for Walt Disney World and for Disneyland, it's it's big. And folks feel like they need like a PhD to be able to understand how to take a Disney vacation for the first time. And you really don't have to do that for Universal Orlando. I mean, like I said, I had been last in 2016. I had kind of paid attention to a little bit of the news. I maybe read two or three blog posts before I went in and I didn't feel like I was completely lost on this vacation. And, you know, I think that's really important for a lot of people. And, you know, if you're going at a high crowd time or a busy period, a school break, something like that, you may be too late to get a Disney World <laughs> reservation. So that's not the case at Universal. Of course, you'll find probably more crowded parks during those situations. But I, I really like the ease of first use when it comes to going to the theme parks there and planning a vacation there. All right. So I have two follow-up questions. My first is in terms of, you know, I know that Universal Studios Orlando, which is one of the park's names, and then Islands of Adventure, which is the second park's name. And yes, Volcano Bay, they count it as a third park, but that's really a water park. I know that they are separated by City Walk, is it, in between? So like how hard is it to actually get between the two parks both via Hogwarts Express, if you have the park hopper, or by just walking. Although I guess there's no reason for you to go to between the two parks if you're not having a park hopper. Sure. So you're stealing reason number two, you should go already. <laughs> and that's because the layout is very manageable. It's much more like the layout at Disneyland. So the two parks are not quite across from each other like they are at Disneyland. There are a few more steps that you need to take and you go through a little bit more of City Walk to get between the two parks, but they're pretty, pretty darn close. So think... I mean, once you exit the gate of Universal Studios and then you're hopping to Islands of Adventure, I mean, maybe five minute walk if you're strolling slowly. And then sort of off to the side of that is City Walk where there are shops and dining and all sorts of different activities right there. So it's sort of hard to explain. It's kind of shaped like a T, like part of City Walk continues straight into Islands of Adventure and then shooting off like the bottom of the T is where you would enter Universal studios so definitely very manageable in terms of the layout the water park is separate you'll have to take a bus or something to get to volcano bay it's not within walking distance but most people aren't spending you know they're not hopping between a water park and a theme park without going back to their hotel first now my second question is i'm gonna slightly put you on the spot a little bit uh full disclosure leslie went with getaway today on a fam trip um, which is you know familiarity trips i think fam stands for familiarity that travel agencies will take that was sponsored i don't know if it's sponsored by getaway by today or sponsored by universal and disney but anyway or is getaway today somehow finagled a vip tour for you at universal studios and i want to know like as much as you can, obviously you did not tour like a normal plebe. I want to know, like, 
as much as you can. Obviously, you did not tour like a normal plebe when you were there. You obviously could see that the layout, everything was so much closer and like things weren't that far. But what was your impression of, you know, what standby lines looked like? And I know we're going to talk about Express Pass later, but as much as you can, what would the non-VIP experience have been like? And I actually am not sure. Maybe you split off from the VIP tour at time. So I talk about that a little bit too, um, while we're talking about how much more convenient Universal Studios is, which I think is an indisputable fact. If you don't have to make reservations, you don't have to worry about park hopping at 2 p.m., it's going to be easier no matter what, whether you're a VIP or not. We're all VIPs, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's right. We did have a VIP tour guide for the day. It ended before dinner time. So then we did do the parks for several hours after that, but we still continued to get an express pass as a result of having done the um, VIP tour for the day. So we weren't standing in standby lines, but we were using regular express pass after we lost our tour guide for the day. But yeah, I mean, it was easy because we had a VIP tour, but I also was making sure to look at standby lines, to look at express pass weights, things like that. And we were there during a very low crowd period, I would say, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, between the end of the holiday season, but before the MLK crowds had arrived. So crowds felt pretty light. And a lot of the wait time seemed very, very reasonable for the two theme parks. We'll talk about Volcano Bay in a little bit. But I mean, I was seeing standby lines for things like Transformers that were like under 30 minutes during the middle of the day. You know, that's not like a top, top tier ride, but that's a medium tier ride. And then, of course, the two really big popular coasters right now, Hagrid's and Velocicoaster had crazy long lines. I mean, a couple hours long most of the day. So that's just going to be the way it is because those are the hot new things. But that's the way it is for Rise of the Resistance a lot of the time. So I, I didn't really see a meaningful difference between the headliners at Universal Orlando and the headlines headliners at Disneyland or Disney World. Now, I know, Leslie, your next reason that I need to check out Universal Studios is because of Express Pass. Before we talk about why you think Express Pass is better at Universal, I just want to mention really quickly that Velocicoaster and Hagrid's are not eligible for Express Pass, which means just from a practical standpoint, the line actually moves faster. You know, we've talked about it many times. And if you've watched that amazing Defunct Land video, Express Pass, Fast Pass, Genie Plus type situations, they actually make the standby lines longer because they're letting in people, you know, and they're not thousands of people on VIP tours. VIP tour, I assume you got to go through some sort of Express Pass lane. But just so you know, Express Pass at Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure does not cover Velocicoaster and Hagrid's, but you still think it's a better system and at least worth checking out for me. So why, Leslie? All right. I kind of just, again, liked the lack of logistics. You pay a high price for Express Pass. It starts at $89 for people with just one park per day tickets, then $119 for people with park to park tickets. So it's expensive. This is like the cut the line services at other you know regional theme parks. Yeah. And I've seen it as high as $200 uh, during the Christmas time. So yeah, but continue. Yeah, I mean, it can be higher than that. It can be like 250 I think, at this point. So this is a really pricey option. And there are two different options of, of Express Fast we should mention. There's the regular that lets you cut the line once for each attraction that has it. Um, obviously, like we said, not including Hagrid's and Velocicoaster. And then there's Unlimited, which lets you ride 
any attraction as many times as you would like. And that's a little more expensive, not a ton more expensive. So if you know you want to ride something like the mummy three times, then it's probably worth that upgrade. Yeah, I really liked the simplicity of it. Uh, the cost obviously is going to be prohibitive for a lot of people. But I think if you only have one day to do Universal Orlando Resort and you're going to do both parks and you're going to hit the rides hard that this is really the way to go you can really have a prime experience and you can't ride everything in that you know one day but you can ride everything that you want to ride and you know you can prioritize the big attractions that you know fit your family and fit your interests whether you like coasters or more sort of family friendly rides I really like that option I mean I mentioned when I went to Disneyland Paris this summer that I liked that they had an option that was more like that. Now they had an intermediate option at Disneyland Paris where you could just pay a la carte for a single ride. So, you know, maybe that would be nice to have that sort of mid-tier. That's what's missing at Universal Orlando. But I really liked being able to do that. And the time that I was there in 2016, that I did have Express Pass and that's what I used. And it doesn't, you know, you don't skip the line entirely. They, they I guess they promise you that whatever the wait time is, that you'll get in in about half the time. Realistically, like if the wait time's 60 minutes, you're not waiting for 30 minutes for a ride. It's usually something much quicker than that. Maybe with the exception of, of the Hogwarts Express, that, that line is long all the time, no matter what. Everybody wants Harry Potter. So what is your fourth reason that I got to check out Universal Studios? All right. I was pleasantly surprised by all of the hotel choices. We haven't sort of mentioned the layout um, entirely because there are actually eight hotels at Universal Orlando Resort. And I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, because there aren't any hotels, of course, in the Hollywood version. There's quite the selection. There are three sort of top level premier hotels where you actually get Universal's Express Pass Unlimited included with your room costs. So having that kind of bundling is nice. Again, you know, especially you have a family of five, Joe. So, you know, you're paying for potentially one room and then you're getting that Express Pass included and really getting to make the most of your money. I mean, and some of these hotels are starting at like ah, $500 a night, but five people express pass. I mean, there's the value. You can see that there when express pass can be, you know, a couple hundred dollars per person. I also really liked, we stayed in Cabana Bay, which is a, a value kind of like a value plus. I forget the exact name that Universal uses. And we were in a family suite just to get to check that out as family travel writers. And I thought it was awesome. It was two rooms divided by a sliding door, two Queens in the bedroom um, a sofa bed, a living area with a microwave and a mini fridge, and definitely great for a family. You can, you know, have snacks or maybe small meals or breakfast in the room, save a lot of money. That room type is only about $200 a night most of the time, maybe a little bit more during peak periods. And I mean, that's a substantial savings over, say, like the family suites at Art of Animation. So definitely found some value there. And I thought the theming at Cabana Bay was superior to the theming at the value resorts at Walt Disney World. It was just, it felt nicer. It felt a lot nicer. Of course, it was motel style, but it just felt fresher and newer and not maybe quite as cheap as some of the finishes at value resorts at Walt Disney World. So I was really pleasantly surprised. And I think Cabana Bay is a very popular one with a lot of people looking for value for families. I mean, you don't get Express Pass, but maybe a lot of families with smaller kids don't need that because they're not riding the thrill rides. Yeah, I think Universal definitely has Disney beat in terms of the hotel market, uh, like you said, on pricing, but there are also like very nice hotels. Um, the theming is good. And 
Just to get back to the pricing, Leslie, I was working with a client and they were staying at Portofino Bay and I was looking up prices for them and they were like, oh yeah, can you get us the two queen club room or whatever, like club concierge room? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was, I was like, whoa, they're, they're like really splurging. That's cool. But then I looked and the club concierge room was $600 and the regular two queen room was like $500. So they were only paying like an extra $100 for club concierge stuff. A club room at like the beach club or something like that is $1,200 or like at least a thousand. So in terms of pricing, they have it beat. And of course the club concierge is just as nice as any Disney one um, would be. So there are the three deluxe. I don't, again, I don't remember Universal's terminologies, but um, Portofino Bay, Royal Pacific and Hard Rock, those three, they all come with Express Pass. So yes, let's throw that in there too. She paid $600 for a two queen bedroom with club level service and Express Pass for her family of four. So when you start adding stuff up like that, staying on site at Universal can be very lucrative. And of course, some people don't even stay at the hotel room, but because it's cheaper, we'll book a one night stay at a deluxe hotel. I had another client who they wanted to buy the express pass, but they were going over Christmas. And I was like, you know, what's cheaper is if you buy, if you book one night at Royal Pacific, you're going to get express pass for your entire family, but for two days, and it's going to be cheaper than buying it. And you know what they ended up doing, Leslie? They were staying at an Airbnb or a Verbo that I had booked for them for the week, but they ended up staying the night at Royal Pacific because they were like, oh, it's so nice here. They just end up staying there anyway. So yeah, that's all pretty great. And before we get to your next four reasons, Leslie, we wanted to make a few quick plugs. I guess since I've just been talking about uh, my clients, did want to remind people that I'm a travel agent that can help you with your Disney or Universal or cruise trips uh, at no extra cost to you. You can email me, Joseph Chung at travelmation.net or look in the show notes for that. But we also wanted to remind everyone that we are on YouTube now and we'd really appreciate it if you could find us on YouTube at Disney Deciphered. Links also again below. And if you could like and subscribe us there, uh, we would really appreciate it. Leslie, where can people find your stuff since um, you know, you've got a lot of stuff coming out from this last trip? And of course, in general, you got a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah, so I'm tripswithtikes.com. I'm at tripswithtikes everywhere on social media. I'm most active on Instagram when I'm on trips. And if you want to see this universal trip in action, it's in one of my highlights. And I usually do that. So if you miss it in real time, it's still there. And of course, you can also find Leslie moderating the Disneyland and Disney World with Kids Facebook groups, plural. They're both great. Uh, one covers Disneyland, of course, and one covers Disney World. All right. So let's get to reason five, Leslie. What's the fifth reason that I got to check out Universal? Although I feel like you've already sold me with the first four. I know you got three kids and they're younger. And I think a lot of people are really hesitant to go to Universal Orlando because it has a reputation of being like a lot of regional theme parks, like big coasters, not a lot, lot for kids. But I have always been, since I first went in 2016, pleasantly surprised by what there is to do as a family and with younger kids. Even if you have folks in your group who aren't riding all of the thrill rides, there's enough there to make a day or two of it in the theme parks. And again, we'll get to Volcano Bay in a little bit, but of course, Harry Potter. So the rides in the Harry Potter sections of the park in Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley are more coasters for the most part. But I mean, I guess there's a smaller coaster in, uh, 
Hogsmeade. No, yes, Diagon Alley. I can't remember all these sections, but <laughs> my uh, my Harry Potter's a little rusty. But in any any event, there's a lot to do interactive wise. I mean, you want to see the Harry Potter things to see. You want to buy a wand. You want to drink butterbeer. You want to just see a Hogwarts above, towering above everything. So if you have kids who have read the books and they really enjoy the characters, I think you can get a lot out of it, out of it even without riding the coasters. The one land that I am always, always super impressed by, and I fell in love with it back in 2016 and vowed to take my son and have not taken my son yet, is Seuss Landing in Islands of Adventure. It's an entire kid-friendly land themed after everything Dr. Seuss, a lot of great kiddie rides, things sort of like Dumbo and a little train that goes above the land. And I have a son who, as a very young toddler or preschooler, memorized completely the Zacks and the Sneetches. And both characters appear in their own sections of the park. Really, really like Seuss Landing. Colors are bright and bold and beautiful, and you could spend several hours there with younger kids. So I do think there's a lot to offer there. There's, of course, Minions. There's a Despicable Me ride that you can ride. And, of course, The Simpsons as well, at least until... The license expires in 2025. We don't really know what's going to happen with Simpsons Land uh, now that that's going to revert to Disney after it acquired Fox. But for now, I really liked everything Simpsons. I mean, it's probably not something that maybe the youngest of kids will be familiar with, unless you're like me and you occasionally let the little brother watch with Big Sister. But I, I think that, again, colors are great, things to explore, a lot of fun, family-friendly things to do in that section of the park. Leslie, you say that, but the five-year-old in our family somehow caught like whiff of the Simpsons movie and she made us watch that movie. Like for movie night, she picked it and Jess was like, are you sure that they should be watching this? So I had to watch it once, make sure it was okay. And then um, we watched it as a family. Thanks to the five-year-old. So that, that it's actually funny. I was thinking about what is going to happen to Simpsons land. So we'll see um, in 2025, but yeah, maybe I'll get my kids there before then because they're really into the Simpsons right now i think they uh see a little bit of their dad in homer which um don't know how i feel about that one but uh what are you gonna do what are you gonna do all right what's the next reason all right well this is maybe not as much for you joe but for general uh generally for adults i mean the coasters at Wait, what are you trying to say leslie this is not <laughs> for you it's for adults what, what are you trying to say <laughs> <laughs> I know you have some issues with like motion sickness and certain rides not feeling um, comfortable like you wouldn't go on Matterhorn. Please don't go on Hollywood uh, Riptide Rocket or whatever it's called. Like that'll rattle your brain and your back and send you into traction. So you maybe don't want to do that kind of thing. But the coasters are amazing. I mean, they are way better, way more challenging than any of the thrill rides at Disney. So if you're into that, it's definitely worth doing to, to get some of these bigger thrills. Hagrid's is unbelievable. And that's one that you can do, Joe. You know, I'd say it's like Slinky Dog Dash, like doubled in terms of its like experience. And I'm not going to spoil it because I somehow managed to avoid spoilers. And I just jaw dropped when I got to ride it and I got to ride it twice because of the VIP tour. It was top five coaster, thrill ride, whatever for me, right up there with Flight of Passage, Rise of the Resistance. It's amazing. That's great. And then Velocicoaster, I don't think I've been on anything like that. It was giant thrills, giant drops. 
And I mean, probably the biggest coaster I've been on, but because it's new and it has, you know, the very smooth technology, it's not the kind of coaster that does rattle your brain and hurts your back. So you feel like you get like the real payoff from that coaster. And both of those were highlights of the week for me. And Universal Orlando has single rider lines for a lot of their thrill rides. So this is something that even if you're going with a family with younger kids, they have child swap too, but you might be better served by just going in a single rider line while one parent or one adult takes, you know, kids on something more family friendly. And especially like in some families where maybe only one parent really likes the thrill rides, then this is a great option to be able to make that work. That sounds pretty good. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I feel like I can do each of these maybe at least once, you know, and if my kids really like it, uh, I can go more than once. And they're really getting more into the thrill rides. My daughter was mad at me for taking her on the Incredicoaster, which was her first inversion on a roller coaster. But then, you know, a day later was like, I could probably do that again next time we come since she knew she wasn't going to be there for another year or so. So that's good to know about the coasters. And of course, Universal has always been well known for the thrills. Now, the next thing you have on the list is Volcano Bay with an exclamation mark. I'm not a water park person, and I didn't think of you as a water park person. So tell me why this is number seven on your list, Leslie. It was awesome. And I am not a water park person. We did go to Blizzard Beach a couple of years ago. My family did. And we're pleasantly surprised by that um, during a summer vacation at Walt Disney World. But we are not seeking out water parks, you know, regionally when we travel close to home or something like that. They're, they're kind of a lot of work. And <laughs> I don't love body slides because they hurt, you know, like where the sections of the slides join together, they hurt on your back. So I don't like those. I do like tube slides. And Volcano Bay has a whole, whole lot of those. And they have more than that. Like if you've ever been to like a Great Wolf Lodge where they have these like giant kind of like funnel rides where you're on like a tube that holds five people. Like it's 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 more like that. There are a lot of rides like that. In addition, of course, there's some body slides. Uh, and then there's a actually what they call an aqua coaster. You're sitting on something that's kind of like a flume, but you're in a bathing suit. I mean, it's not something you would do dry. You're going down... A water slide in this flume and it's so it's sort of like a hybrid water slide water coaster and that was the best thing I've done in any water park ever and and what I loved about Volcano Bay is it's just so well designed it's so well themed it's clean it's well maintained there's a white sand beach you have the little tapu tapu which is the wristband like the magic band that you hold up to reserve spots in the virtual queue and we went I mean, I was very skeptical about going in January. I was like, I'm going to freeze. The forecast, I guess, had it high in the low 70s. But in the morning when we went, it was still in the high 50s. And I was like, this is going to be so cold and so miserable. But the water was heated. We didn't really have, we didn't feel uncomfortable at all hopping from place to place in the water park. And then, of course, the advantage of going on a Tuesday in January is it was totally empty. We didn't have to wait for anything. We didn't even need to use the virtual queues. They weren't, didn't even have them turned on. So I, I was so impressed with Volcano Bay. I would go back with my kids, spend a day there. It's uh, adjacent to Cabana Bay, so you can walk. So that was also sort of one of the things I thought that was interesting about the logistics is, you know, even though you're not getting express pass by staying at Cabana Bay, you're getting walking distance access to one of the three parks at Universal, which was great. Loved it. Loved it. We'll definitely be be back. I mean, I think you have to do a lot of the prep 
that you want to do for a water park. I mean, I brought like one of those locking bags that you can lock your phone or something to your beach chair so you don't have to get a locker and deal with that kind of thing. And But I actually, you know, brought, brought one of those things around your neck where you put your phone in it. So I took that with me on a lot of the the coasters and slides and maybe you want like water shoes or something like that if you're walking long distances on pavement and things like that. But I mean, again, little logistics that you would plan and the payoff is huge. Awesome. All right. So let's round it out with your eighth reason. Uh, And I know this won't be for a few years, but Epic Universe, what's coming to Universal and why is it going to be amazing? Besides, I know, of course, Super Mario Land is coming. What else is coming for Epic Universe, which is it going to be Is it a third gate? Leslie, tell us about it. Yeah, so it's a third gate that's coming. I guess it's a fourth gate because they count Volcano Bay, like you say, as their their third gate right now. But, I mean, we don't know a lot of the details um, officially from Universal. I know people have speculated as to what characters will be in Epic Universe, what franchises and whatnot. But, I mean, definitely Nintendo. And I think we're going to get, like, some scary characters as well. I haven't really paid attention, but I mean, this this is going to be another a, a great addition to have three parks that makes it closer to a Walt Disney World. And I'll have to say, I mean, we've complained about Disney World. Only one of the four parks really feels like it's full of attractions, you know, and I thought both parks already were full of attractions at Universal Orlando. So adding a third park, even if it's maybe not fully full-fledged at launch will be great and will make it much more competitive with what the offerings are at Disney. Good to know. Um, Really quickly, what are some of the cons that you had? Obviously, this episode is about convincing me to go, but just for, uh, you know, sake of being a completionist, you know, what are some things we need to worry about if we're thinking about going to Universal? Sure. So the biggest complaint I think most people know about Universal is a lot of their rides are screen-based, and that can cause motion sickness for a lot of people. I know it might be an issue for you, Joe. You've had some issues with certain attractions. So if you know that something like a Cosmic Rewind makes you dizzy or sick or something like Flight of Passage, you might have trouble with a number of of the attractions at Universal Orlando. So something to keep in mind. Another big complaint, and this is coming up right now a lot in the news with everything Super Nintendo at Universal Hollywood, the rides, uh, the seats are not very plus size friendly at Universal. And this is a big complaint about the Mario Kart attraction that just has soft launched in Hollywood. But this is true of a lot of the attractions at Universal. A lot of people who are not that plus size, have trouble fitting. I was okay, but some of the people in our group were not okay. And I think that's discouraging. You've got like a place where they sell you a giant donut in Simpsons land, and then they're like, and now you can't fit on our rides. Um, So that's something to keep in mind if there's anybody plus size in your family or even anybody just big and tall, you know, like somebody who's like six feet plus, um, you know, like more of like a football kind of build, you might have trouble on some of these rides. The other thing to keep in mind, con wise, they do have a lot of ride breakdowns. I mean, this was big when Velocicoaster and Hagrid's both launched. There continue to be, you know, breakdowns. I didn't see any evidence when I was there that it was any worse than the ride breakdowns that are happening at Disney right now. In fact, we had worse trouble at Hollywood Studios. We had three ride breakdowns on the day we were in Hollywood Studios. 
I guess they're having the same issues at both parks, maybe with maintenance and things like that and, and staffing, but, but there are some issues to, to keep in mind. And if Hagrid's goes down, <laughs> the line can be really, really bad. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with Universal. I do think it's going to be interesting. I think the competition for Disney, we are, aren't going to cover it here, but Universal announced that it's going to be running like a perpetual Horror Nights house type attraction in Las Vegas. And they're opening a theme park aimed more at families with young kids in Texas. So Universal is really trying to eat into this market share. And so it'll be interesting to see how Disney responds. And I think the competition can only be good for those of us who love theme parks. Now we always end with a Disney do or don't, Leslie. Obviously today we're going to end with a universal do or don't. So what do you got for us today? All right. I haven't mentioned this yet. So do, if you are staying on universal property, take advantage of their early entry. They let guests in an hour early into their theme parks. If you're staying at any of the on-property hotels, this is not like express pass limited to just the premier, more expensive hotels. It's a great time to get uh, in a lot of the popular attractions spend some time and you know harry potter hit some of those those rides or you know get a ride on on uh velocicoaster or something like that and there's also early entry for volcano bay as well usually an hour but during low season when we were there just 30 minutes but again we walked right on the aqua coaster rode it twice could have ridden it a a third time without any weight during that time so definitely very valuable and adds to the value of a universal hotel, which we've already said is generally a better deal than what Disney has to offer. Great tips. Well, thank you so much again, Leslie, for sharing your experience. You can find her writing about that again on tripswithtikes.com. I'm expecting to see an article or two in the next couple weeks. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We will get back to our regular scheduled Disney programming next week. So other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you kneeling in front of a Mickey statue begging for forgiveness. Thanks, Joe.